uh, Andy. I'm one of the elders of the church and part of the um, I'm, and a privilege to be part of the team here at Arena Church. I'm married to Louise, have been for uh, quite a few number of years now. And uh, just to point out, my first boss is in the room today, so I've got to be on my best behaviour. Um, but uh, Heather, it's very good to see you this morning, um, and welcome to Arena Church. Yeah, I've got two teenage kids who are growing fast, and life is moving on at such a pace. And of course, I get the, the privilege this morning of just sharing with you from God's Word. We believe this by the Bible. This is a church that believes in the Bible through and through. And we believe it's not just a story. It's not just a, a history of Jesus, but it's also a book that is still changing lives today. And within its pages, there are many principles and things that we could really do with just paying attention to. And sometimes, particularly those who have been in church for a long time, there are sometimes things that need challenging. Maybe it's behaviors that we've had that maybe we thought were good behaviors, but actually sometimes our behaviors actually restrict even our growth in God. And maybe you've not been a Christian for very long at all. Let me assure you, the Bible is so full of good stuff. It really is a good read, and it is also a good feed. We need to keep nourishing ourselves on the Word of God. Now, of course, we're in between series, which is not a of detriment to me, because I just get the, the joy of saying to God, well, God, what shall I speak into today? Uh, and trust the Holy Spirit to guide. Now, I may not be the best preacher in the world, or now I'm not the best preacher in the world, but however, I do have a confidence this morning that what God has laid on my heart is something for somebody in this room this morning. Right. I have that confidence every time I preach. Not that I'm a great speaker, but I do trust that what God has put in my heart is for somebody here this morning. So I will just, um, the week is 168 hours long. I'm just going to take half an hour of that, if you don't mind. And uh, it's, not, it's not much in the scheme of a grand week. My, my subject this morning is... Um, Perhaps something you've not considered before. It's called Sabbath living. Sabbath living. He said, what's that got to do with essentials, Andy? I should point that out later on. And also, we're going to be moving into a a brand new series called The Blessed Life. Hopefully, by the end of the morning, you'll have seen a link between the two series of what a blessed life can be through Sabbath living. And, of course, we get the Sabbath from very early in the Bible in Genesis 2, verse 2. And Chris has got the uh, words for me from the Bible. Thanks, Chris. On the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. As some of you, some of you know, I like to cook. And there's a particular brand of cooking I particularly enjoy uh, preparing in my kitchen. As I'm going, I like to taste what I'm making. Because I want to make sure that when it's finished, that it does taste good. And God created the world in six days. And at the end of every day, it said God saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. Now, when I've made this meal, usually, as you probably are well aware, it's a curry. One of the best pleasures a cook can ever have is to serve it to somebody else to eat. Seriously, the best pleasure I get from making food is putting the plate down in front of somebody and seeing the enjoyment on their face as they took in. We, we had a community night for worship team uh, uh, late last year, and I, I was really, I had a week off, so I actually cooked two pans of curry and took it to Julie's house to serve to the team. I, just, I really enjoyed just watching people took in and enjoy the food. And this is where the Sabbath comes in. You see, say, God rested on the seventh day, his work was finished. And God put a pause into all of that work. He put a pause in 
not just so we could have a Sunday every, every week where we come to church and worship God, not just because of that. Not just because our bodies do need a physical rest. Do you think God was tired after six days of preparing the earth? This is mighty God. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. But yet he brought a pause into time. But why would he bring a pause into time? Because everything he had done was good. And that includes you and that includes me. Because on the sixth day, he created man and woman. He created them both. And he saw that it was good. Now this morning, you might not be feeling good. You might not be thinking that you are of any value. You might not be thinking that you're of any use to arena church this morning. Let me assure you, when God made you, he saw that it was good, and then he made a pause. But why did he make a pause? We know it is the Sabbath. Now, technically speaking, Sunday is not the Sabbath. Of course, Saturday is the Sabbath. If you, if you speak Spanish like Joe does over there, Sabado is uh, Spanish for Saturday, which is the Sabbath. And yet we meet on a Sunday. Does it matter what day we choose? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But for too long, and I've been in church a long, 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 long time, different emphases have been put in different parts of the Bible, and not all of them healthy. For instance, when I was working on a volunteer team for the churches around the country, I spent over a month in a pastor's house. And on one Sunday, it was a bright day, and as I was well brought up, I thought, great, I'll get some washing in and get it on the line so it would dry. Oh, no, I couldn't do that because that was working on the Sabbath. And even... Uh, even this morning, I've just heard a few jokes. But on the Sabbath, you can't do that on the Sabbath. That's working. But God had a reason for putting a pause into his work. You know, if you're like me, and I think quite a few probably are, your life isn't entirely smooth. I suppose quite a few in this room, life isn't always plain sailing. And I suppose if you're like me, you're going to occasionally experience a few storms. Anybody with me here? Anybody else experience storms? Occasionally you're going to trip up. Occasionally you're going to do something wrong. Perhaps more occasionally than others. But why do we have a Sabbath? What's the point of it? You see, it became Jewish law. And one of the problems when things become religious law, they suddenly become restrictive. See, Jesus didn't come for you to have a religion this morning. Church is not religious. Doing the same thing time and time and time again in the same way, the same time every week, that's religious. But church was never meant to be religious. It's about relationship. You see, the, the Pharisees of the Jews, it became restrictive. The Sabbath became something that was screwed down, something that was now. Of course, there was punishment for people who worked on the Sabbath coming from God's law. But why? What did God really want? And this morning, I'm not going to lay out to you some utopian dream of everlasting perfection that we can all run into tomorrow. But why not? Because what God principles is always going to be perfect. So if God has principled into our lives a pause, it has to be perfect because God himself has ordained it. And I think the Sabbath living goes way beyond a day of the week. As I read through the Bible, there are many experiences of Sabbath just growing into something else. And in fact, if you read through some of the key events in the Bible, I'm going to lay them out later on. Fantastic things happened on the Sabbath. You see, I was watching, reading the news uh, recently, and we know that the government was overturned. They were defeated in the House of Commons on a decision trying to expand Sunday trading laws. 
they wanted to increase the amount of work we do on a Sunday. And of course, we've got a very um, hotly disputed um, dispute going on at the moment with uh, the health secretary, Jeremy Hunt, and the junior doctors about working at weekends and working on Sundays. And of course, most of us in church for a long time think, well, Sunday is a special day. And I don't disagree. I really don't. It is good to have a pause in a week. But as Christians, what we have to be so smart and so clever and aware of is actually the spirit of the age. It's the spirit of the age, trying to restrict what we do. Why is that? Because you sat here, you won't... I should imagine most of you, if not all of you, are not devil worshippers. We don't deliberately worship Satan. So he's got to park that one. And maybe none of us willfully, on a daily basis, go out and commit crimes. Because we're Christians. We're following, trying to follow the word of God that does us some good. So he's going to park that one. But what about distraction? What about making you so busy that you don't have time for God? Why not make every single day the same so there is no pause? And this is where Sabbath comes in from God. He has a pause where you and I can just have that relationship, have that reflection, have that stop in our lives where we appreciate the good things that God has. You see, if you read the Bible, the Sabbath came before the fall of man. The fall of man is what described is when Adam and Eve sinned the very first time. But the Sabbath principle was there before that. The Sabbath principle came way before the law, the Ten Commandments, when it became a set day of the week. See, Sabbath. The Bible has a beautiful symmetry. Last week we celebrated Easter. And I just want to remind you of something, of the day that Jesus died. It was a Friday. It was Good Friday. It was the day before the Sabbath. So by the time the Sabbath came, just like in Genesis chapter 2, the work was finished. And on the Sabbath, Jesus was in the tomb. But the work had been finished. And if you take nothing else away from this morning's message, just know that the Bible has that great symmetry. It's not just once it happens. It's time and time again. The work has been finished. Let's just hope this morning that none of us are too busy to pay attention to God. I know my own lifestyle. Some of you know how I work. Some of you know my diary. Some of you know my traveling routines. It's very, very easy for me to rush through every single day and not give God a thought. So I'm not coming to you this morning as some um, established practitioner of Sabbath living, but it's something that God has just opened my eyes to, saying, Andy, I really want to spend some good time with you. I really want you to appreciate the things that I've given you that are good. So I've just got six quick things about Sabbath living that can benefit us all this morning. The first one, don't get anybody embarrassed here, but it's naked and unashamed. You see, when God walked in the garden, the very first thing, the very first confession that came out of Adam's mouth after he sinned was, I was naked, and so I hid. What is nakedness? What are we referring to? I'm sure many of us have seen comedy programs where someone's outdoors and suddenly their towel's gone and they're, they're hiding themselves. But to be naked is to be completely and utterly transparent. You see, when you're naked, you can't hide anything. And you have to thank the good Lord this morning that I'm wearing a suit because nobody wants to see. 
But nakedness is, is complete transparency. I can hide nothing from God. And in that moment of fallenness, in that moment of guilt, because it was guilt, Adam suddenly thought he had something to hide. When we teach our kids to talk, what's one of the very first things they do? They lie. Sorry, my kids do. I don't know why I did. We teach them words, and immediately they hide behind the words. So one day, Josh is going to come into Judah, and he's going to have chocolate all around his mouth, and he's going to say, Judah, did you eat that chocolate? And Judah's going to say, no, Dad. <laughs> but why is he going to say that? Josh is thinking, I'm not prophesying, John. It will, Josh, it will happen. It will happen. Who drew on the wall? Not me, Dad. See, in that moment of inquisitiveness from Josh, from the father, in that moment of inspection, suddenly we use what we have to hide behind. How many of this morning have hidden behind, I'm too busy to pray? I'm too busy to spend time with God. I want to hide something. There's something I've done this week that I'm really ashamed of. I really can't stand there with my hands raised. And Christian has addressed it through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that some people just need to be set free. Some people just need to break out this morning. Maybe that's you. God is already speaking to you. So that happened in Genesis 3. In Psalm 139, David has the same conversation with God, but he has it from a completely different perspective. He says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. But the essence of the psalm is not one of shame. It's not one of David on his face before God saying, you can't look at me. He's saying, God, there is nothing I can hide. And Sabbath living is all about you standing before God and saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. But in front of you, there's nowhere I can hide. We've talked about the essentials, about knowing God. What you need to know about God is that God knows you. Every single wrinkle, every single crease, be they physical or emotional or mental, God already knows it. And God is here this morning. And God is speaking to you right now. He says, I can see you. You are completely transparent. You cannot hide. And it's our responsibility to say, God, I, I, I just want that Sabbath living. I don't want to be like Adam who hid because suddenly he was transparent. See, David was unashamed. He was naked. He was in front of God. And David was, he, he was one of the worst sinners you could ever find. He was a guy who was so overcome with lust for his next door neighbor that he sent a husband into battle who was then killed. So he was a murderous adulterer. And yet, somehow, he stood in front of God, unashamed, and said, God, you've searched me, and you know me. Do you have that confidence this morning in God? I'm here to tell you, you can have that confidence in God, because of the work that Jesus had done on the cross. It is finished, with Jesus' own words. The work has been finished. We often hear about relationships where someone is an estranged partner, an estranged husband, and a strange wife. Sometimes our relationship with God is like that. We know him. We know his address. But we are estranged. This morning in Sabbath living, and each and every day, you can live in the Sabbath. It is possible. I wish I did it every day. I know I don't. But God has allowed it through what Christ has done. Secondly, in Sabbath living, God's provision becomes clearer. In Exodus, we see the story of God feeding the children of Israel in the desert. 
Every single morning when they went out, God had prepared manna for them. Manna from heaven, you've heard it called. It's a phrase we use in, in English today, meaning something superb that we don't expect. Manna from heaven. But the, the rule was quite simple. After six days, you pick what you need for the day and do not keep it overnight. And guess what the Israelites did? Someone like me, and probably something like you, they did try and keep some overnight. And what happened? Every morning, the stuff was moldy and full of worms. Every day, apart from the Sabbath. See, on the Sabbath, they were told, the day before, collect twice as much. And what happened on the Sabbath? The stuff was fine to eat. It lasted all the way through the Sabbath. So they didn't have to go around gathering the stuff up. It was ready for them on the Sabbath. And I want to say to you this morning, God's provision is constant. God is constantly providing for your life. Maybe you've been in church just a few weeks. God is providing for your life here, right now. Maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years. You know the times when God has given provision. It is constant. But what we need the Sabbath for is to be able to reflect and understand that he is still providing. And this is what happened in the desert. Six days they collected manna. On the seventh day, they didn't have to. On that seventh day, they were instructed to remember how good God is. We have a word for that in a modern English language. We call it praise. We call it worship. It's that acceptance that, God, you've been so good to us. That's why we sing on a Sunday. That's why we sing on a Tuesday, because we want to bring our praise and our thanks to God. See, Tuesday's not Sabbath, but yet, in the Sabbath, Sabbath living, God's provision becomes so much clearer. Because in busyness, as we all know, it's easy to forget. It's easy to ignore what God has done for us. I, I'm 44, and I can just look back over all those 44 years, perhaps not as a, obviously a tiny baby. I just remember from being a toddler onwards when God has provided but there are also another times when I've taken it for granted and I've not stopped to give God the praise. We know God. We know God provides for our shame in Jesus. We know God provides for our need. But also we can find freedom in the Sabbath living. You see, in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, the disciples were walking on the, on the Sabbath. They'd been busy with Jesus and they were hungry. So as they walked, they picked the ears of corn to eat straight away. And of course, the Pharisees were indignant. That was working on the Sabbath. How dare they work on the Sabbath? But Jesus was having none of it. He said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man, as Jesus himself, it was also Lord of the Sabbath. You see, this morning, you might feel like Christian was praying earlier on that you're locked in. You might feel that you're not making progress. You might feel that you can't move on. You might feel there's nothing you can do to make a difference. But the Lord of the Sabbath provides freedom. In that moment, Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, God who created the Sabbath, said the disciples are fine to take what they need to eat. They need to eat. That's fine on the Sabbath. He even gave an example from the Old Testament where David himself ate the food on the altar because his troops were hungry. And Jesus was saying, that's fine. Don't get caught up in the religious observance. Don't get caught up in the busyness. It's okay to eat on the Sabbath. It's okay to do that. And we find freedom in that. Here's a statement I want to make to you this morning. 
based upon Genesis chapter 1 and all the way through the Bible. You were not designed to be a slave. Within Christ we find freedom. We sing it, we know it, but how often do we live it? In Christ we find freedom. And in religion, you're a slave. In a religion, you have to do X, Y, Z in order to achieve or receive the favor of the supreme being, no matter what cult or religion it is. But in Christ, we find favor of God is poured out on us freely day by day. We call that grace. And you and I can live in grace every single day because of what Christ has done on the cross. We can find freedom. In a relationship, in a true relationship, I'm going to shake your world now. There are no rules. Think about that for a minute. In a true relationship, there are no rules. When God set in the Sabbath, it was before the law. There were no rules. Because why? Adam and God knew each other so well. They knew the needs of the other person so well, there were no rules. We've got a newly married couple on the front row, Kevin Hannah. In a close relationship, there are no rules. Hannah does not have to set the rules for Kev because Kev would die for Hannah. I've been married 20-odd years this year and the rest. There are no rules in a close relationship. I know what Louise needs. She knows what I need. There are no rules. Don't forget I'm talking about perfection. I'm not talking about our fallen state. I'm talking about what God laid in before there were any rules. And that is that pause, that moment to enjoy relationship. Next, we find on Sabbath living, helpless hands are restored. And we talked this this morning and and the past weeks about finding our purpose. Jesus walks into the synagogue on on the Sabbath. And there's a man there, it's in Mark chapter 3. His hand was withered. He could do nothing with his hand. And Jesus knew exactly what he could do. And Jesus spoke to the man on the Sabbath, and he was accused of working again. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And immediately, the man's hand was made whole. Why is that important in the Sabbath living? We all have a purpose. When we talk about hands, particularly through the Bible, even in our, our current culture, your hands are what you work with. And when we have work, we have a purpose in life. This guy couldn't do anything. His hand was so withered. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't work. That's why he's in a synagogue. He couldn't go to the evening, go to the temple, because he was not complete. His hand would not work. David says in Psalms, you train my hands for war and my fingers for battle. See, every single one of us has a job to do. Every single one of us had a role to play. To Moses, God says, what is that in your hand? It's a stick. But what did Moses do with that stick? It was just a stick, but in the hands of God. What is that in your hand? See, our hands are so important, both physically and spiritually, because God has given every single one of us a role to perform. Of course, in the context of reading a church, whatever church you're from, in the community we serve, we all have a purpose. That's why we need our hands to work. I love it in the Old Testament because another thing about Sabbath living is walls come tumbling down. In Joshua chapter 6, we see the story of Jericho. For those of you who went to Sunday school, I have to ask a question. How many times did they walk around the walls of Jericho? Come on, someone tell me. How many times? Seven. Any advance on seven? Thirteen. I hear thirteen. They walked around the walls of Jericho thirteen. 
Once every day for six days. Then on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, they walked around seven times. And what happens? Those walls came tumbling down on the Sabbath. They should have been in their tents eating the manna from the day before that they gathered. But instead, they were walking, just as God commanded, on the Sabbath, round from round that city. See, walls speak of separation. In the case of Jericho, wall, the wall spoke of domination. Jericho was a huge city. It stood in the path of where the children of God needed to go. This is something in your life right now that stands in your path. You know God's given you a direction. You're walking on it, but there's this huge obstacle in front of you. It's a wall. And in Sabbath living, we can see those walls come down. We can see the walls come down. See, Jericho was a real halt in the progress. They couldn't enter the land they were going to because of Jericho. But God had different ideas. And I love what they did on, on, the, on the seventh day on the Sabbath. Not only did they walk around the city seven times, but they blew the trumpets, they played their instruments, they gave God a shout of praise. They didn't have to pull the swords out straight away. They didn't have to bring their battering rams. They didn't have to bring their towers to climb over the walls. They just had to bring their instruments. They just had to bring their praise, and those walls fell flat. Historians tell us there's a city in the Middle East where the walls actually went straight down. We know that because the Israelites walked straight in. They didn't have to climb over rubble. The Bible says they went straight into the city without difficulty. Why? Because they'd done what they'd been told. They'd done what been told on a Sabbath. Working, fighting on a Sabbath. Yet the walls came tumbling down. Where's your destination in God this morning? You know in your heart God's given you something. You know in your heart God's given you a pathway. But yet there's a wall in front of you. This morning I want to tell you, in Sabbath living, that wall can come down. We create the walls ourselves in our, in our imperfection, in our fallen nature, in our sin. We can create those walls ourselves. And finally, in Sabbath living, we become imitators of Christ. In Acts chapter 3, we see that really well in a story. It was mentioned just a couple of weeks ago of Peter and John walking into the temple. Now, we don't know for sure if it's a Sabbath. Okay, but let me bring you some context. Three years earlier, They'd walked into a synagogue, into a temple with Jesus. And Jesus opened the scriptures. You know, it's Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We've heard it this morning. To preach the gospel. To break free the captives. To bring sight to the blind. Three years later, following the death of Jesus, Peter and John are walking into a temple. Maybe the same temple. And they see a man crippled by the side of the gate. Asking him for money. And Peter looked him straight in the face. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. The scripture tells us the man immediately leapt up. But not only did he leap up, he followed them into the temple, leaping and praising God. Not just the healing, but something happened in here as well. We're asked by the Bible, we're asked as Christians to become imitators of Christ. And this is possible in Sabbath living. You see, when I'm full of myself, when I'm trying to do things my own way, when I'm trying to fight through the struggles of myself, think, hey, I'm a strong guy, I've got broad shoulders, I'm British, stiff upper lip, we're fine. God has got so much more for me. God has got so much more for you this morning in Sabbath living. 
In Philippians it says, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ. Who himself God, thought it not robbery. But made himself humble. Even to death on a cross. Imitate Christ. Die to yourself. Be aware that people are going to be cruel to you. Be aware that people are going to hurt you. You're in that pause, in that moment of Sabbath. We're called to imitate him. Peter and John, they made a difference in that guy's life. Not only did he not have to beg anymore, he could find work. And I'm positive the rest of his life, he never forgot the day where he met two imitators of Christ. They weren't pretending to be Christ. They were giving him what Christ had given them. Sabbath living. Guys, it's possible. Like I said, I wish I did it every day. I don't. But God is just pointing something out to me. Andy, it is possible to live in the Sabbath. I know an old minister. We, I was at his uh, birthday celebration just two weeks ago. His name's Keith Monument. And there's a few people around this room there as well. This guy's been serving God for decades. He's 90. Okay, He's 90 years old. And do you want to know where he was on his 90th birthday? He was in a missions committee meeting with, with Louise. Okay? This guy has travelled thousands and thousands of miles to support ministries. I heard just two weeks ago there was a, there's a church not too far from here that needed a speaker. So they asked Keith Monument, Keith, can you speak for us? Yes, of course they will, he said. There's one problem. Because of their church circuit, they had to, he had to go through safeguarding for kids first before he could preach. One message. One Sunday at a church. You know what he did? He went to the training session for the safeguarding so that he was covered. That's Sabbath living. And I know, I've known Keith for a long time. When he, when he walks into a room, he is 90. He's always got a smile on his face. He knows who you are. He shakes your hand. We had the privilege of preaching at our wedding. Almost 23 years ago. And the things he laid down, prophesied over us in that wedding, are still coming true today in our house. That guy knows how to live Sabbath. I've never heard a crossword from him. Although he's 90, I can call him Keith. I don't have to call him Mr. Monument. I don't have to call him Uncle Keith. It's just Keith. If there's anyone I've, I've known in my life just embodies Sabbath living, it's Keith. He would travel thousands of miles, hundreds of miles, just to deliver a food parcel because God had led him to do that. God's provision becomes clearer on the Sabbath. It's great, isn't it, that we can have a day that we remember every week. It's good that we just stop and rest. It's God's plan that we have a Sabbath. And it's good that we physically rest. It's God's ordained it. It's God's idea. His work is completely finished. And on that Sabbath, we can have the lights go out. <laughs> but in that Sabbath, in that moment of quietness and, and darkness, uh, we can have that reflection of how good God has been to us. And of course, restoration. Elijah was in the, in the desert. He was laid out. He was starving. And God brought, miraculously brought him food. Along with these words, eat, because the journey is long. What God gives us this morning is the journey we're taking every single day. When you go to your workplace tomorrow, when you go to your college, when you go to your school, when you face opposition to those people who know you're Christian, those people who put you down every single day, Sundays, our Sabbath, our day of rest, is all about feeding. Eat, because the journey is long. Let's just ask the band to come up, and in a minute, Christian is going to just uh, close the meeting. But I just want to ask this morning: Is there something this morning you know you're not doing? 
Is there something in your heart, you know, God, I've just got too busy for you. Yes, we do pray every day, but our priorities changed. This morning, you can know that freedom of a Sabbath moment. Seven days a week. Christian, you've just uh, come up. Great. Guys, thanks for listening. I hope that's made a real difference to your week coming. And that God will bless us as we just seek to find those Sabbath moments. Thanks, Christian. Amen. Let's show our appreciation to Andy, shall we?